Good morning, welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're beginning Parshas Achremois. Achremois is a parsha of 80 psukim long, and our first Aliyah is 17 of those 80 psukim. From Berik Tes Zion, Pasuk Aleph to Yud Zion. The topic of our Aliyah is the service in the Holy of Holies. We hear now that the command is given to Moshe after the death of the two children of Aaron, of Nodav and Aviu, and their death. Now we hear about what is going to be known as the service of Yom Kippur. So he is told to command his brother Aaron, who is the high priest, who is the Kohen Gadol, that he is not able to come El HaKodesh to the, the Holy of Holies beyond the Parochas, beyond the dividing curtain at any time he wants to. Rather, Bezois, with this is the way. This is going to be the fashion in which he is able to enter the Holy of Holies. So it, it requires a number of sacrifices. The first is a Par Ben Makar, there's an ox, and an ayel. There is a ram for an ola. So there's a sin offering and there is a burnt offering. He has to wear kasonis bad kodesh, this the, this tunic of um, oh, this white simple tunic, and he wears the clothes or the full clothes of a regular kohen, a kohen hediot. Then we hear about how he has to take these two goats. They are two for a sin offering. And he, we hear about how he brings these karbonas. First, he brings the sacrifice of the par, that bull that was talked about at the beginning. And it is an atonement for him and his household. Then he takes this, the, the, these two seirim, um, these two goats, and he places lotteries upon them. There's a mission in Yuma describes where he takes, he puts his hand into a box and he pulls out one which says La Hashem and one which says La Zazel. And he places one on each of the heads of the different goats. We then hear about the one that goes to La Hashem, to God, and it is made, it is shechted, it is slaughtered in a regular way as a korban chatas, as a sin offering. And then we hear about the, um, the continued atonement of the ox. We go back to the ox and how its blood is used. And when the Anan HaKatores, when the um, cloud of the incense is filling the Holy of Holies, um, that's when he will enter the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the blood of these karbonos, of these sacrifices inside the Holy of Holies seven times, thereby atoning for the, for the nation of Israel. And he, there will be no one else in the Mishkan, the precinct of the Holy of the, um, of the Mishkan, when he is doing this. So it is a very fascinating service. This is only part of it. We're about to hear about the rest of it in the next Aliyah. But a very fascinating service. So a few basic questions. Obviously, we can't uh, deal with this in a greater level of depth because it's a short time. There's some basics. Number one is, why does the Avodah of Yom Kippur, which is supposed to be every year on the 10th of Tishrei, have to do with why is it linked to the episode of Nadav and Avil? Meaning, that was a terrible tragedy that happened on the 1st of Nisan. But why should their death have anything to do with the service of Yom Kippur? So Ibn Ezra explains is that, that their sin was they brought incense into the Holy of Holies, but it was unrequested. So what Moshe is being told is, here is a way to bring incense, here is the all right way to do it, but don't do it the way that they did it beforehand. Um, that's the way that Ibn Ezra understands it. Orachama Kodesh brings two possibilities, where he says it's a warning to Moshe not to think that because he is so holy and had access, that maybe he can go in whenever he wants, because Moshe Rabbeinu, it didn't work for Nadav and Aviyu, who also were very close and thought they had access and it didn't work out for them. Another possibility he suggests is that they died before the punishment was even allotted for the sin, meaning to say that Hashem had not said that there would be a punishment for entering the Holy of Holies yet. It was an understood fact, but now the warning is being put, put in place. Um, 
They were killed because Bikravai Ekodesh, the holy, the holy people, people very close to Hashem, Hashem judges extra specially carefully because they should have known better. But now Hashem is saying, I'm going to give a warning for the rest of people, the rest of humanity. You may not enter the Holy of Holies without requests. That's the first question. Second question is, you'll notice that the clothes that are worn by the Kohen God all over here are the regular, regular clothes, what's called the big day love on the white clothes. There's only four vestments. That's the shirt, the pants, the hat, and the belt, um, as opposed to the extra four, which are the big day corner of the high priest of the Kohen Godel. Why is that the case? Now, technically speaking, if you read the Mishnayas, actually he does wear the gold clothing. In fact, um, the, based on the Mishnayas, he, uh, and the way it's understood, the reading of the Torah over here, he would actually wear first gold uh, to do the regular carbonus, then switch to the white to do the first part of the service, then back to gold, back to white, and back to gold. So there's really... Um, there's really five different moments of different clothes. So it goes gold, white, gold, white, gold. And between each one, there was a mikvah and a washing of hands twice at the beginning and the end of the process. So 10 washings of hands and five switchings with the mikvah in between all of this. So it's, it's a complex point. It's a complex day to, to appreciate it in full context. But why is it that the, uh, that when he went lifnai velifnim, when he went into the Holy of Holies, that's when he had to wear white. Why is that? So the Chidah says that the one aspect of it is, is our clothes of humility. When you wear white, it's not fancy. It's not something which is going to turn people's heads. It's basic. It's simple. When you serve in front of Hashem, you have to serve with humility. Another possibility he suggests is, is that it would be a great cost to Israel because after all, the clothes worn by the Kohen God would have to be buried after Yom Kippur. And if you had to wear gold clothes every Yom Kippur, and that came on the, the community's tab, that would mean to say that the community is paying to bury these clothes once a year. And that would be an extra financial burden, just from another perspective as well. Rashi quotes the famous Gemara in Rosh Hashanah Dab Chavav, which says the reason that they wouldn't wear the gold clothes is because Ein Kategor Sanegar, that the defendant cannot, the, uh, can, uh, should not become a prosecutor. What that means to say is that it would remind Hashem of the Chet Egel Azov, of the golden calf, and it's not, a, it's not appropriate to wear that in when trying in the Holy of Holies when trying to atone for the sins of Israel to remind Hashem of another sin of Israel as well. What's fascinating about that is, is that it doesn't seem to be a, um, a concern when the coin is serving in the rest of the Mishkan, when he's bringing the regular Korban Tamid in the morning, he's wearing the gold clothes. If you're going to say, Ein kategor you don't want to make your defendant into a a prosecutor, then you should say he should not wear gold clothes whatsoever, but he does wear gold clothes. So Rav Saratskin has a very beautiful point in Oznaim Torah where he, he took comments on a new, uh, you know, a new fad of people who call themselves chassidim, people who become um, very pious, and they, they are very, very into the ethos of Rav Levi Yitzhak of Berditshov, one of the great early, early chassidim, who was always melamed zechus, who always learned uh, merit upon Israel. And these people took it to the wrong extreme. And they they would go to such a point where they say, no one can ever criticize a Jew because a Jew is so holy. A Jew is so special. A Jew never does anything wrong. And he quotes specific stories in specific cities in which a Rav would get up there and, and, and uh, castigate the community or individuals for doing really bad things, for eating tray food. And these people would get up there and say, you can't say that. These people are Yisrael Kadosh and they're holy. Like Rabbi Levi Yisrael Kabritishev was always say, have mercy on them and look at them from a good perspective. They're so holy and so special. And, that, and, and uh, um, Rabbi Sarotskin points out that the, one of the primary functions, even though perhaps it's the least asked function of rabbis today, is to, is to give Musar. 
is to is to tell people that this is incorrect. Um, and he pointed out that Rabbi Levi Yitzchak perspective of, of seeing the good in people was not when it came to whether he criticized them or not. It was about the way he presented them in front of God, how he'd pray for them in front of the Almighty. It wasn't about the way he looked at them on the outside. And therefore he says, if you look at the model that the Torah sets out for us over here, when it comes to serving outside where the people are, in the courtyard, that's where he wears the golden clothes to remind them, you sinned. You didn't do what was right. You need to know you didn't do what was right because if we just keep brushing it under the rug, you're never going to learn. You'll just become a a uh, um, a flimsy um, excuse for a human being who has no backbone because they've always been patted on the head when anyth- anything goes wrong or right. No, there needs to be critique. There needs to be direction. There needs to be value-based. There needs to be reprimanding. That's a mitzvah of reprimanding others specifically in the communal and the spiritual realm. But... When it comes to how we present to Hashem, how the Kohen Gadol spoke to God, in that, in his personal tefillahs, when he went into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, that's when he said, Hashem, they're so holy, they're so special, please don't criticize them. There's the difference between when we speak to Hashem and when we speak to the people. And when the Kohen Gadol was out by the people, he needed to tell them what was what. You sinned, it was bad, you need to change. When it came to speaking to Hashem, he would find zuchus. he would be mahape pechus because he really truly loved them at the deepest level. But to love somebody, sometimes you need to reprimand them. But when representing in front of Hashem, then it needs to be the, the white clothes. That's a very powerful memory and perspective over here. Something which perhaps is very much lost on today's generation. Um, another important thing to notice over here is if you go to Sefer Zechariah, you'll notice that in the prophecy of that, that is given to Yeshua Kohen Gadol, who is the high priest at the times of the rebuilding the second base of Midash, one of the things she said in the beginning of Perak Gimel, Perak Dalet, where Yeshua Kohen Gadol is asked to remove his begodim tzayim, his dirty clothes. What does that mean? Chazal say that Yeshua Kohen Gadol was, was told to instruct his married children to divorce their non-Jewish spouses. There was so much assimilation then that the high priest's own children were assimilated to such a degree of intermarriage. Why, why was that going to affect him as a Kohen Gadol? After all, surely Yeshua Kohen Gadol, if he had the virtue in and of himself and his own actions, should act as a very fine Kohen Gadol independent of his children's actions. So Rav Moshe Soloveitchik quoted his father, Rav Chaim Soloveitchik, that from our Pasuk in our, uh, the Torah, you see over here, in order to be able to atone for Israel, you need to be able to have, speak right for your house first. You can't represent Israel if your house is not in order at all. And that's why the mission at the beginning of Yuma says that in fact, that if the coin, the, uh, the coin God would have to have a wife, he'd have to have a spouse before going into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, because in order to be able to represent Israel, he needs to have a house. He needs to have the responsibilities and the, the answerability, accountability of having a house and making sure that everything is correct in his own house, with his own relationships before representing everybody else as well. Finally, one, why is there a lottery in the Saliyah? Why is the lottery the requisite way in which the atonement is achieved? Rasulajik points out that many come in front of our Kodesh Baruch and they say, Kodesh Baruch Hu, as the situation is beyond my control, it was, it was more than I could imagine. I, I, either those external forces, environments, gen- genetics, um, or, or psychic determination, all these things which affected me, which is why I did what I did. I'm sorry, Kodesh Baruch Hu. So Hashem really is the only one who really knows what the difference between where we make choices and the environmental predisposition, predispositions that we have are. HaKadosh Baruch is the only one who knows that, and it's therefore in a psychodramatic display, says Rav Soloveitchik. The atonement is through, a, play, is through a, a, a seemingly suspended experience of choice, where there's a lottery, where Hashem says, I will atone for the parts that you really had no control over, but the parts you did have control over, I will in fact um, um, demand reprimanding reparations for. Um, it's important to think about this. Any game, the half deal, is, is usually a balance between chance and skill. 
And every game titrates it differently about how much skill and how much choice there is. Life is in a certain sense the same thing. There's a certain amount of chance and there's a certain amount of skill and choice. Like Kodesh Baruch Hu says, I will make sure I know what the chance is. I know what your, the predispositions were, but I'm going to hold you accountable for the decisions you make still. Funny, one last point over here. It says, Nobody should be in, this, in, the, in the tent of meeting when the crying God is doing this. Um, in his commentary, this is in the 1800s, in his commentary on the Torah points out that this is the halacha about a shliach tzibor. A shliach tzibor, a, a person who's representing the community, is meant to have nobody else in mind. He's not supposed to be thinking or swayed by or being influenced or have a conflict of interest by any particular individual in the community when they're davening. Because when a person davens the community, they daven on behalf of the values that community needs, not on the specific needs of specific individuals. Which is why one of the, the um, prayers of the Kohen God when he, he exited the, the Kodesh Kodashim was, Kodesh Baruch Hu, don't listen to the prayers of wayfarers, or people who want to pray not to have rain because of their own personal interest not to get their boots muddy. That's not in the interest of the community. When a person is in the in the, in the oil mod, when the Kohen Gadol is representing this, when a Shleatze was standing in front of the Amud, there needs to be Nobody else can be part of the equation when they represent because it's bigger than one individual. With this, we conclude the first Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.